Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good, good. Let's pray. God, would you uh, fill us with faith by your Holy Spirit this morning? God, as we open your word, would you uh, illuminate these words for us? These are your words. These are your perfect words. Your words never fail. And God, I pray this morning that you will encourage us through your word. Fill us with faith. Fill us with joy. God, help us to be an obedient people. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we started a uh, new series last week called Christmas Treasure. And it's based on Jesus' shortest ever parable. You know, Jesus says, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, in his joy, he sold everything that he had to go and buy that field. And there's some kingdom principles in this parable that we actually see throughout the Christmas story. Now, firstly, the kingdom of heaven is a treasure that is hidden from human sight. It can't be seen by the human eye, but it can be found by anyone who seeks to find. The the kingdom of heaven is, is a treasure. It is so valuable that it's worth giving up everything else to receive that treasure. In fact, the way that we actually enter into the kingdom is by surrendering everything else to receive what Jesus has for us. And lastly, when we receive the King, we're filled with great joy. When we receive you know, the, the treasure of great worth, we are filled with great joy. We see it right throughout the Christmas story. And I'm praying that in the flurry of Christmas activities, in the busyness of Christmas, that we will not take the gift of Jesus for granted this Christmas, but we will treasure him. We will treasure his presence. We will treasure his peace. And this morning, I want to talk about treasuring the promises of God. We're going to do a Bible study in Luke chapter 1. So if you've got a paper Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 1. Who still, who still brings a paper Bible to church? There's a few people. Awesome. If you've got a digital device, you can open that up too, to Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And what we see in this story is that God makes unexpected promises to unexpected people in unexpected places. And I believe he's still making unexpected promises to unexpected people in unexpected places. Verse 26, we're going to read through it just a little bit at a time. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, you need to understand at this point in history, you know, God has been silent for 400 years. There's been no prophecies. There's been, you know, no word from God. And when God turns up through the angel Gabriel after 400 years, he turns up in an unexpected place, Nazareth. You see, Nazareth, we know the name of Nazareth, but Nazareth was, you know, the Greek word is polis. And it just means insignificant village. It's little town. It wasn't on the trade route 
And so it wasn't a business centre, it wasn't a place of wealth, it was a place where peasant farmers and fishermen lived. It was just an insignificant village. And nor was it the religious centre of the time. You know, you kind of expect that if God's going to show up, he'd turn up in the, in the place of most, you know, the, the centre of, you know, religious worship on the, on the Mount of Jerusalem. That would be the expected place that God would show up with an important message for his people. Nazareth was not that. It's not that they were irreligious, but nor were they kosher. They didn't follow all of God's Old Testament laws. You know, in John chapter 1, when, when Philip thinks he's found the promised Messiah, he, he says to Nathanael, come and see, come and see, I think I've found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And what does Nathanael say? Verse 46, can anything good come from Nazareth? That was the way people thought of Nazareth at the time. Can anything good come from this place? It's an unexpected place for God to turn up with an important promise. It was also an unexpected person. Let's read the next verse. It says, To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. Everyone say, highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Mary's an unexpected person, you know, for, for God to show up with an important promise for a couple of reasons. Firstly, Mary's poor. She's a peasant. And I was thinking at the time that, that, that if you weren't part of the, the wealthy elite, then the favour of God was not upon you. And God wouldn't show up for the poor because God doesn't really care for the poor. The sign of the favour of the God is that you're wealthy. And so it's unexpected that God had sent an angel Gabriel to Mary. Secondly, she's young. She's an early teenager. She's probably somewhere between 13 and 15. Thinking God hasn't spoken for 400 years. He's going to turn up and speak to a poor young teenager and, and lastly, and don't be offended by this, but she's also a woman. And in the culture of the time, it's not what would be expected. If God was going to turn up, he was going to speak to a man. But here's Mary, this young, poor, peasant girl. And she's the one that God turns up and says, Mary... You are highly favoured. And Mary is troubled. Really, it just means she thinks she's in trouble. God wouldn't turn up with a good message for me. I'm in trouble here. And the angel has to reassure her and say, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You're not in trouble. You've actually found favour with God. You are highly favoured. More accurately... The favour of God has found you. 
You see, Mary, like us, is a recipient of God's grace. We sometimes read that scripture and think because of Mary's you know, godly character that, that God gave her favour. Now, Mary is a woman of godly character, but that's not what the angel is saying to her. He's not saying because of your godly character, you have found favour. There's only one other time, that, that word that's translated highly favoured, it's a Greek word that's only used one other time in the whole New Testament. And the other time it's used, it's actually talking about you and me. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, you know, where Paul is talking about all of the people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as, as Lord and Saviour. And he's saying, hey, by the way, you know, it's kind of not an accident. God predestined this. He predestined that you would be adopted into sonship, into daughtership. You predestined that you would be adopted into the family of God. And it gave him great pleasure to do that to the praise of his glorious grace. The only other time that this word is used in the New Testament is actually translated not highly favoured, but glorious grace. And so sometimes you would have heard this greeting from the angel to Mary as it gets reenacted this Christmas, as, as hail Mary, full of grace. Mary, just like us, is a recipient of God's grace. You see, the favour of God is not fair. You, you don't earn it. You don't deserve it because of the good things that you've done. The favour of God is not fair, but it is free. It's freely given and freely received. You see, many of us actually have the same mindset of Mary, that if God's going to turn up with a message for me, it's troubling. I'm in trouble. I'm telling you, read the New Testament again. When God speaks to the church, when God speaks you know, to people who've put you know, their, their faith in Christ, it's never to put people down. It's always to build people up. It's never to push people away. It's always to draw people close. Even when he turns up and says, repent, it's good news. He wants to draw you close. He wants to bring you into greater intimacy. He wants to bring people to salvation. See, so you too are highly favoured. You're a recipient of God's glorious grace. Favour is not fair, but it is free. The favour of God finds unexpected people, rich and poor, young and old, male and female. God's still making unexpected promises to unexpected people in unexpected places. Verse 31, the promise gets very unexpected. Now put yourself in Mary's shoes for a minute. She's a 13-year-old young girl who's kept herself for marriage. She's a virgin. Listen to this promise. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
Listen to Mary's response. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. That's a good question. My, my mum, when I was going to sleep one night around the age of 12 or 13, gave me a book called Where Do Babies Come From? And, and I said to my mum, don't be ridiculous. I am not reading that stupid book. I read the whole thing in one night. It was fascinating. It was unexpected where babies come from. Mary has read the same book. So when the angel turns up and says, you're going to conceive, you're going to give birth to a son, she's going, how can this be? Not only will you give birth to a son, the promise gets even more unexpected. Angel answers her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Not, not only will she give birth to a son when she's a virgin, but the son that she will bear will be no ordinary son. He'll be the son of God. Fully man come through a virgin's womb, but fully God, born of God, son of the most high. His kingdom will never end. His name will be Jesus, which means the Lord saves. But he'll be the Christ. Sometimes we think, you know, Christ is Jesus' second name. It simply means the anointed one, the Messiah, the King. They've been waiting for this promise to be fulfilled for hundreds of years. And the angel turns up to this poor, peasant, teenager who's a virgin and says, the Christ will be placed in your womb. He will be the son of the Most High. His kingdom will never end. He'll be on his throne for all eternity. I tell you, some of us in this crazy times that we're living in need to hear this promise. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death in our place on the cross to forgive our sins. On the third day, he rose again and he is seated at the right hand of God. He is King of kings and Lord of lords and his kingdom will never end. In the craziness of everything that's going on around us right now, you too have nothing to fear because you are highly favoured. You've received His glorious grace and Jesus Christ is still on His throne and He will be for all of eternity. That's where we need to look to receive faith for the future. Someone's not very happy about it. But I hope the rest of us are. Gabriel knows that Mary's head is spinning. And so he uses a common ploy that I, that I think we often use to kind of get out a point across to someone, to help someone believe that something you know, different is possible. 
This is what it says in verse 36. It says, even Elizabeth, everyone say, even Elizabeth. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Even Elizabeth. I think we do this all the time. It certainly happens in my home all the time. Susan will come up to me and she'll say, even the children have learnt to pick up their wet towel off the floor and hang it up in the bathroom. All things are possible. Miracles are possible for you too. A number of years ago for our 25th wedding anniversary, I planned and paid and organised to take Susan to Italy for a month. I thought that was a pretty good deal since you've been married to me for 25 years. I'm not exactly the king of romance, but that was romantic. I heard women in this church, when they heard about it, nudging their husband in the ribs, saying, even Jason took Susan to Italy for their anniversary. It's possible for you too. Miracles still happen. Even Jason. Here Gabriel turns up and says, even Elizabeth. Even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. She who is said to be unable to conceive is in her six months. You see, Mary's not the first unexpected person to receive an unexpected promise in her family line. Just if we go back in your Bibles, just a bit further back in Luke chapter 1, it says this, verse 5, In the time of King Herod, uh, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. How old is very old? I'm 49, is that very old? Put your hand up, nose and down the front some people, very clear. 49 is not very old. What about 69? Is 69 very old? Split room, half, half, not sure. We're not exactly sure how old Elizabeth was at this point, but they think that she was probably somewhere in her late 60s. She's very old. She was past the age of childbearing. Can you imagine in a culture that put a social stigma and a religious stigma on someone who couldn't have children? Can you imagine how many prayers that Elizabeth and Zachariah had prayed? Can you imagine how many times they prayed for a miracle? They prayed for a child? Probably by this stage in their lives, 50 years. 50 years after praying, a different angel turns up in the temple and speaks to Zechariah and says, I've heard, God has heard your prayer and you're going to have a child and you're to name him John. 
And Zechariah doesn't believe it. Even though he's kept praying it for 50 years, he doesn't believe in the promise of God. And he's unable to speak for the whole pregnancy because of his lack of faith. I just want us to just think about that situation for a moment. Because some of us have got some prayers that haven't yet been answered. And I want to encourage you with a few things when your prayer hasn't been answered in the way that you'd hoped and life maybe is not going quite according to your plan. Firstly, when that happens, don't give up on God. Because it's not a reflection of your standing before God. God makes it very, very clear in his word. These guys were blameless. These guys had, had, had done everything to serve God. They were righteous in the eyes of God. And still their prayer had gone unanswered. And this is a hard truth to come to grips with. But we have to come to grips with it if we have faith in a sovereign God. That God's eternal plans actually trump your temporary desires. God's eternal plans. I know that's a hard truth to swallow. But it's true, God's eternal plans trump your temporary desires. Don't give up on God. When life doesn't go according to the plan, it's not a reflection of the way that God feels about you or you're standing before God. And secondly, don't give up on praying. 50 years, 50 years they prayed for. They're wondering, does God hear our prayers? And God turns up and says, I have heard your prayer. And this is how I'm going to answer it in my perfect timing, according to my perfect plans. You'll name him John. And he'll be a forerunner for Jesus. He'll make a way for salvation to come to the whole world. My perfect plans trump your temporary desires. But don't give up praying for miracles. Don't give up praying that God is faithful to his promise. Old Elizabeth is told to name her son John, which was unexpected. There was no one in the family line named John. But he was going to be a forerunner for Jesus. He was going to make a way for salvation to come to the world. And young Mary, also unexpected to be pregnant. Unexpected name in some ways. The name Jesus was actually a very common name at the time. It's the Greek version of the name Joshua, which was also a common name. As you look back you know, through biblical history, it simply means the Lord saves. But what's unexpected is that he would also be the Christ. That the one who came to save is also the glorious king. And his kingdom will never end. And it's still an unexpected message for people who expect God to turn up and say, you're in trouble. The angel finishes his message this unexpected promise with an exhortation of the faithfulness and the power of God. 
verse 36, 37, says, For no word from God will ever fail. Or in the old translations, for nothing will be impossible for God. I want to encourage you today that no word from God will ever fail and nothing is impossible for our God. Now the word of God had been quiet for 400 years and people are wondering, you know, has God forgotten about us? Has God failed on his promises when it looks like nothing is happening? God is perfectly working out his plans behind the scene and nothing is impossible for our God. When when it looks like the promise that God has given you, that there's no way for it to happen. God is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. God's still making unexpected promises to unexpected people in unexpected places. A number of years ago, I uh, I wrote a book that I'd been trying to write for many, many years called Jesus the Bloke. And I just wanted to write a a book that would... uh, the, the blokes wearing flannelette shirts in building site sheds and uh, blokes that were, you know, sitting around, uh, you know, footy sheds would read and would sort of, you know, unpack who Jesus was in reasonably, you know, simple, uncomplicated language. God had put it on my heart to do it for many years and that was the prayer in my heart. That was what he'd, that was what he'd do with it. And I've had the joy of meeting lots of people like that who've come to faith in Jesus through it. But I've also met some unexpected people that God's just uh, made a way where I never thought it would happen. I was preaching uh, at a church in Toowoomba and I had a guy who was an associate professor in engineering at the university come up to me and say that his grandmother had bought it for him while he was living in China and he read it. He's an incredibly smart dude. And I'm thinking, man, I did not write this for you. I'm not smart enough to write a book for you. And he told me he'd come to faith and got baptised just a few months earlier after reading the book. The very next Sunday, I, uh, I walked into a different church where I was preaching, and the first guy who came up to me said, oh, mate, thanks for your book. Uh, I actually got baptised two weeks ago uh, after reading your book. And he kind of did sit He did uh, fit the profile for who I was writing the book for. But the miraculous bit was, he he said, my mother-in-law gave it to me for Christmas. I mean, who has ever read a book that their mother-in-law gave them? (laughs) Miraculous. But just in the last two weeks, I I got a letter from an unexpected person in an unexpected place. I'm going to leave the names out of it. I'm going to leave the name of the uh, correctional centre out of it. It's from a woman. A woman's not even supposed to read my book. It's for blokes. (laughs) Nowhere in the book did I say where I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney or what church was I a part of. I just want you to see the way that God is faithful to his promises. And he's still, as we've sung about today, he's still breaking down prison walls. He's still setting people free. She says, firstly, let me please apologise for the paper I'm writing on. I can't afford a writing pad until next week, but felt compelled to write to you. I'd like to thank you for opening my eyes to Jesus. I found your book, Jesus the Bloke, in the library here at a certain town's women's correctional centre. And I found a great connection to it, even showing it to a few prison chaplains that visit here and to some other prisoners. 
I'm also from the western suburbs of Sydney, born and raised in Parramatta. Like some of the girls you mentioned in your story, I too was sold into the sex industry at a young age. I was 12. I went cold turkey from heroin at 15, thanks to a family GP, but mostly thanks to a rush that I found that I got from prayer. I met my daughter's father at a church in Tilopia that we would attend for the pastor's wife to feed us, teens that had no homes. And we'd hear relatable stories about Jesus. They were cool the way that you too sound to be. Now that's unexpected. <laughs> I haven't been called cool for about 30 years. But little does she know, that's the church I grew up in. That's where I first started ministry. The pastor that she's talking about is my mentor, who started a drop-in centre for kids on the streets, and his wife would cook for them night after night, just poured their lives into these kids, and didn't see as much fruit as they would have liked to, and they had a lot of heartache along the way. And I was there. I was a 19-year-old kid just getting started in ministry. That guy taught me how to tell stories about Jesus. I discovered the heart of God in that place. She goes on to say, religious history is one of my favourite subjects, but I've done so many things that would not sit favourably with Jesus or God, I fear. I'm just not good enough, although I always try to be kind and helpful and polite but even with those qualities, I still find myself a drug user making poor choices and allowing myself to be susceptible to violent men. I'm 44 now and it's been my first time in jail. I try to improve my life and even when successful somewhat, inevitably I fail. Your book is giving me hope. Sorry for the tears on the page. But do you think that Jesus would really love someone like me? Do you think there really could be something that I'm meant to do in this life? Will I ever have real self-confidence? How could anyone truly love or value me? And if, I, and if a mere human couldn't, why could God or Jesus? I see you right that he loves everyone, and although I've never taken a life, I've done some really crappy things and sold myself for sex repeatedly. How can I possibly be forgiven? And if I did find a way to be forgiven, what about when I screw up again? There can't be countless chances. I don't deserve them. Thank you for reading my letter. Please pray for me. I want you to answer her question this morning. Do you really think that Jesus could love someone like her? I'm going to ask it again and I want a better response. Do you really think that Jesus could love someone like her? Yes, of course. That's what he's like. It's the fact that he's not a mere human. It's the fact that he's actually fully God and he's a God with a redemptive love, a forgiving love, an everlasting love that knows no ends. He's fully human so he can empathise with our pain, with our sin, with our temptation. But he's fully God and his love will never run out. In fact, he has been chasing you down for 31 years and he's not going to let go of you. It's true for her. 
And it's true for every single one of you in this room. That is what God is like. He's a God of glorious grace. It'll never run out. He's still making unexpected promises to unexpected people in unexpected places. I want to encourage you this Christmas. Stay faithful to the people that God has put on your heart to serve and to pray for because nothing is impossible for God. Stay faithful. This woman, as a young girl, she was loved. People just invested into her life, poured their life into her. And at the time, weren't sure that God was doing anything. But he was. We just couldn't see it. 31 years later, God is still working and she's not forgotten those moments when God started breaking in and she started to cry out to him in prayer. Stay faithful to the people God has called you to pray for and the people God has called you to serve. Stay faithful to your family. Stay faithful to the people around you that he's put on your heart to pray for, to see them come into the kingdom. Invite them to your table this Christmas. Jesus says, go and invite unexpected people. Let them know they're welcome in the kingdom. You know, for decades, we've been inviting people to our carol services at Gateway. I want to encourage you this Christmas, invite someone to come along, sit next to them as they put their faith in Jesus Christ and there is rejoicing in heaven because one person repents and gets how big and how great God's love and His grace is for them. Make sure you take one of these today. Give it to someone, invite them to come along. Be part of God's miraculous salvation in somebody else's life. Stay faithful to the people God has put on your heart and stays faithful wherever God has placed you. Maybe right now you're in a workplace, a university. Maybe your family's walking through a season where you really don't want to be. And you're not sure anything good can come from it. You know, Mary from Nazareth, people would have said to her, can anything good come from Nazareth? Yeah, saviour of the world. Still changing lives in prisons in Australia on the other side of the planet 2,000 years later. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Yes, it can. Can anything good come from the place where you are right now? Even if it might be difficult, even if it's not exactly where you want to be, even if you haven't yet seen the promise fulfilled. Stay faithful. Stay faithful to where God has placed you. That's why I'm so excited about our, our Christmas offering this Christmas. Rob and Liz have wanted to be in Myanmar for 20 years, but they couldn't. In fact, Myanmar's been close to the gospel for 73 years, since 1948 Independence Day. People haven't been able to go in and to celebrate Christmas. And so they planted themselves right on the border and people would come across the border and they'd share the good news with them and they'd go back into Myanmar. Get this. Nothing is impossible for God. He's opened a door for them. 
to go into one of the most closed nations over the last 70 years and we get to be part of this historic moment building a community centre where the poor will be empowered and good news will be given to people who have never heard the name of Jesus. Stay faithful. 20 years they've been there just faithfully serving, believing that God was going to bring a miracle. And He is. Stay faithful to the people God has put around you. He's still making unexpected promises to unexpected people in unexpected places. Stay faithful in the place where God has you. Some of you need to hear this today. Stay faithful to your family. Stay faithful to the Word of God in your workplace. Don't buckle under pressure. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Stay faithful to whatever He's calling you to. Tim Keller says this, you cannot judge God by your calendar. God may appear to be slow, but he never forgets his promises. He may seem to be working very slowly or even to be forgetting his promises. But when his promises come true, and they will come true, they always burst the banks of what you imagined. God's grace virtually never operates on our time frame on a schedule that we consider reasonable. God is faithful. Stay faithful to the people he's put on your heart, to the people he's put around you. Stay faithful in the place where he's put you in this season. Our God is a God who is still faithful to his word. His word never fails. Our God is a God where nothing is impossible with Him. He's able to do more than we ever dream or ask or imagine. And this young girl named Mary, she got it. This was the appropriate response. She asked some questions and maybe many of us have asked some questions, had some doubts. How can this be? That's okay, God's big enough. He's able to cope with questions. The Psalms is full of them. It's okay to have a time of questioning, time of pondering. Then she listens to what God is saying to her. She listens to the bigness of this promise, to how unexpected it is, how impossible it seems. She listens to the exhortation that nothing is impossible for our God. And this is her response. And it's the appropriate response for us. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. I just think some of us need to respond like that this morning. We're going to ask us to stand together. Come and stand together. I'm just believing for some miracles here this morning. I'm believing that we're going to see miracles where God turns up by His Spirit and gives us strength to endure, to stay faithful. And I believe we're going to see some miracles of God breaking through, breaking down walls, putting hope in hearts, setting people free. Let's get our prayer team and our pastoral team to come out the front right now.
I just encourage you right now, if you just say, God, I'm trusting you for a miracle. I'm believing. I'm believing for a miracle in my family. Maybe this morning, like Elizabeth, you're believing for a miracle of childbirth. You might be praying and believing for, for a miracle in your relationship that's not sure that you will be reconciled in human thinking. You might be praying for a miracle in your ministry. You just know today you're going to respond like Mary and say, may your word to me be fulfilled. I'm your servant. Come fill me with power. Fill me with faith. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know. 